0: Welcome, one and all, to another episode of the NFL Draft Punk Podcast. The band is all back together. Liam, Pete, and Ted. How are we all, fellas? Evening, and Good, Kev. Good. How are you, Liam? Nice holiday. Did you go anywhere nice?
2: Oh, Southampton, mate. Yeah,
0: lovely part of the world. Yeah, Very, very busy premierings and no. Worries. Sounds good. We re- we represented your uh, y- your uniforms we'll come on to how we're getting on with that later as always i like to kick off with some stats for you first one is a current record which could get broken the next time the ravens play the ravens have got uh 30 games level currently with denver scoring 20 or more points in a game that ended with denver from 2002 to 2009 And the Baltimore Ravens are still going with it. My second stat is, I I had to reread this several times. So the Rams obviously lost to the Dolphins. The Rams are the first team since the 2006 Jags to lose a game despite tripling their opponent's total yardage and first downs. How did they lose this game? They had 31 first downs to Miami's eight. 471 total yards to Miami's 145. 340 to Miami's 90 in passing yards. How did they lose this game?
3: Wasn't, wasn't it reported that they were all popped up like the night before or something? So, something to do with what Jalen Ramsey's tweeted or something like that. And McVeigh's not confirmed or denied it. So I don't know if there's been a bit of uh, unrest in the, in the changing room. But uh, yeah, you know, it, was, it was crazy.
0: It's laughable. I, I couldn't believe I had to keep looking at the, looking at the box score again. So we discussed uh, trades last week that we'd like to see. Nobody's really paid too much attention to us. We had uh, Dunlap to the Seahawks. We mentioned last week of their need for pass rush. Quan Alexander to the Saints seemed an odd one to me. Ted, you thought the same, really. It seemed, yeah. it was, seemed a strange one. Can only imagine it's more the fact that Alonso was never fit. Um, the Saints are not really on the hook too much for his cap. I think they'll only have three million this season and they can ditch him because uh, there's no guarantees after this season. But I think they're making a statement there. Uh, they're trying to build and put as much as they can into this season. And Ronnie Stanley signed a huge deal, literally probably minutes before wiping himself out for the season. 70 million guaranteed. It's a good job he signed it.
2: Mm-hmm. <clears throat> I feel sorry for him, to be honest. I can't... Uh... To get injured like that, tore his uh, ankle and ligaments. I've like at yeah, look that well. as before, to be fair, but a shame. On the plus side, he's now swimming in his
3: money like Scrooge McDuck. So, <laughs> every <laughs> silver and that.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so, thought of an interesting topic this week around tanking to tank or not to tank. Me and Ted had an interesting discussion Sunday around tanking, and I thought I'd bring it to the rest of you fellas for the for the pod. Who wants to go first? What is your thoughts on tanking? So I think there's two there's kind of two topics to tanking. How the first one is essentially wanting your team to lose on a weekend. Actively wanting your team to to lose every game so you can get high draft picks. And the second element of it is making your cap easier and getting value now for players that are currently on your roster. To set yourself up for, for for future. Who wants to have a go first?
2: Well, to, to be honest, mate, I'm not a believer in the, the full-on blow your roster to get picks, and um, look, and also to try and go for the the first overall pick. I think team you should always want to try and win. But at the moment, it just there's no uh, evidence for me that it works. If that makes sense. Uh, I mean, the last player I can remember that went over first overall and improved the team massively was Peyton Manning. But there's not many other teams who blew it all up and actually have competed or even won a Super Bowl.
3: I I suppose it depends who that guy is going to go at at number one. Um, This year there's, there's a couple who are in the running now and both. change a franchise. Um, I I see the merits of doing it. I I also see the merits of not doing it. But I mean, for me, uh, teams and players will always try and win games. It all starts with the front office um, and they will make the decisions um, on whether they feel that they want to make a run at the number one pick or if they're going to try and salvage a season. So I mean, it's a delicate matter because obviously you can't you know, be shown to be doing it on purpose. But, you know, looking at the Jets, they're, they're having a pretty good go at it this year.
2: I think the cap relief is a massive part. I think mean, that's, if your team, if you're not strong enough now, I think if you get a bit of cap relief and then try and sign free agents maybe, then get a few hits in the draft. I mean, there's been a few, the one players who've changed teams, uh, Quinton Nelson, completely transformed that Colts O-line uh, when the Bears traded for Khalil Mack their defence just seemed so much stronger and who else Nick Bosa was the early draft pick for the Niners. He they took a good Super Bowl he was one of the last pieces missing He looked like
0: but... they were quite fortunate in that I don't think they did that deliberately Garoppolo was kind of out for the season wasn't he I mean I think the, the Jets current full tank their season is essentially over they're shopping players and they're keeping Gase on purely I think as a a scapegoat so at the end of the season they can say well you know we gave him all the opportunity and he's been he's been rubbish he's no good so away he goes whereas teams like the Falcons already got rid we mentioned the Vikings of whether Zimmer and Spieler were on the hot seat I can totally see value in getting rid of players to make your life easier. The Dolphins did it last year. I think they started 0-7, possibly. Someone say if I'm wrong. When their team started to come together, Flores' coaching did a fantastic job. And did they win something like uh, five of the last eight? Yeah, Something like that. And then everyone was upset that they were suddenly picking outside where they thought they had a chance to get to her. But, But nothing's guaranteed, is it? The Colts tanked for a season and got Luck, who is supposed to be a generational prospect where is he then essentially when people want their team to lose i can't help that you're almost thinking of something outside of football you're talking about cause and effect of things that you have no control over in the universe there's just zero guaranteed i think, you, I think
2: you're right i think it's just you, you can look onto a good player or the coach the coaching seems to work one year and then they seem to you seem to make a, a good super bowl run We look. like the Eagles, they were the worst team, and then all of a sudden, changed coach and got what it all. So,
1: yeah, but when it comes as as a fan and actively wanting your team to lose, oh, I, can't, I, I can't necessarily understand that. Um, the 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 better draft position is just a way of, sort of consoling yourself as sort of accepting defeating that your team isn't very good, or we, we've lost again. But at least we'll draft draft higher next year. Um, So that, that's how I see that it's, You should still want your team to win But from a, a front office perspective I think what the Jets are doing Is probably the, 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 the correct way to tank It's got to come from the top And any reasonable person can see that Gase Shouldn't be there And any coach instead of Gase Gives them a better chance to win But because the product on the field Isn't good enough to get wins while Gase is there The, the players won't tank The players can't tank that. The majority of them are playing for the next contract Knowing they could get cut at any moment, and they're putting themselves in the shop window. So keeping the worst head coach in the league around gives them the opportunity to legitimately tank and have a reason to. It. And as long as the the owner and the GM are on the same page with that, then that that that's fair enough. And I think Gers will be gone after the end of the year. Uh, Not the, the worst uh, defensive coordinator too. Yeah, and so <laughs> keep 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 that uh, that coaching staff on as a sole reason, knowing that you're going to get beat. Um and and then get, get Trevor Lawrence. That's what it seems to be. Um, and the GM's
0: got to have the backing of the, the owner in, in that to keep that coaching staff on. You yeah. can't imagine for one second, you've got Julio Jones and Matt Ryan. You've got the owner coming out and saying nobody's safe. Matt Ryan's 35, 36. He wants to stay there. He doesn't want to have to go somewhere else and learn a new playbook yeah. and a completely new system. He wants to stay where he is. He wants to end his career there. He wants to win something there. He yeah. wants to prove that he's good. He's no. He's not going to turn up on a Sunday and and give up. At mo- as most players aren't. They're like as you say, outside the superstars, they're all playing for their next contract. But you you see it on forums. You know, my team. Oh, my team won this weekend. They can't even tank properly. What are you doing? Your team won. You, you have surely you have to be happy about that. How can you? console yourself with something that may or may not give you success next year there's there's zero guarantees look at all the current QBs in the league which one of them are top five picks Mahomes what was he 12 Jackson was last of the first seconds, round I think 32nd
2: well they so said there was Baker Baker and Sam Darnold were well where are they Exactly. Uh, Wilson,
0: it? a third-round pick. Uh, N- nothing's guaranteed.
2: I mean, you yeah, had Winston and Mariota, backups now. They were supposed to be the top. Goff
0: and Wentz have got second contracts. Uh, They're the only ones a I can think fans of, fans even though are. Wentz obviously didn't play in the, in the Super Bowl. They're the only two I can think of. But they didn't get that pick. They both traded up to those picks, sure. I remember, as well. So if you want... If you really want to change it, then you're going to have to give up whatever you're going to have to give up to uh, to get the key piece for your, for your organisation.
1: Trubisky's another one.
0: <laughs> he's, he's been on fire. <laughs> so we're all in agreement.
2: Yeah, I Mate, think, I think uh, tank tanking, I, I just can't, can't see why a team would act well the fans actually want to tank. Um, there's no history of it working.
0: No, maybe it's misguided. I don't know. I think it's just something just for a, half the time for an excuse to rant um on social media uh, and, and voice your opinion really anyway, on to college, big twelve I think we can count them out of um, of getting to the to the final four aren't we
1: yeah we, we certainly can Oklahoma State were seemingly the big twelves last hope to represent the conference um and they've got to wasted that opportunity at the weekend, um, but ultimately there is no one standout team in the conference, because Oklahoma have dominated for the last few years, uh, but this year all the contenders are, are tripping each other up. Texas beat Oklahoma State at the weekend, but they got beat by Oklahoma, um, and they, but they got beat by Iowa State, who got beat by Oklahoma State, who got beat by Texas, it's almost like a full circle of, of teams beating. it. Yeah, it, 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 teams tripping each other up and beating each other, so you can't see who the standout team in the in the conference is. Um, but the stage was set for Oklahoma State after going unbeaten at the start of the season. They were sixth overall ranked um, going into the weekend um, because they, they, they have got a, a decent team. They had the returning dual-threat QB, one of the top wide receivers in college football, one of the top running backs in college football, and the returning 10 starters on defense as well but it was just sloppy mistakes at the weekend against Texas because um, Oklahoma State were by far the better team. Um, and with those two players, Trouble Hubbard and Tyler Wallace, um, defences going up against them have to pick their poison, what they're going to try and stop. And Texas decided to stop the run. Uh, the defensive line, their linebackers were excellent all day. Um, defensive lineman take one, Graham had a really good game, but I urge you to go and look at uh, edge rusher, Ed rusher, Joseph Asai. Uh, who was either the player of the game. 12 total tackles, six tackles for loss, three sacks, a forced fumble and a fumble recovery. He was everywhere and he'll start generating first round buzz because uh, he was a one-man wrecking crew off the edge. Um, he's chasing down the running back from the backside of the play. He's helping make tackles against receivers uh, on the boundary. Uh, and He's getting pressure on Sanders from the first drive to the last and, and had the game-winning sack in, in overtime. So I'd, I'd, I'd urge you to go and watch his highlights from that game, and also the Alamo Bowl against Utah, to see what he's capable of because he he's he should be rising up draft boards week on week. Um, and so Hubbard uh, had a pretty quiet game. He he ran for 25 times for only 72 yards with a, a long run of only nine. So it's um, they really bottled him up. And but going and all out to stop Hubbard, uh, they were ask, asking a lot of their secondary. And Tyron Wallace was exceptional all day and. He's an early round draft pick, without a doubt. 187 yards on 11 catches, two touchdowns as well. Um, and he's shown that he's got more than one way to win. To use him on screens, contested catches on the boundary, quick slants. Um, but the most notable aspect is ability to adjust and his body control. Excellent hands catcher, high points the ball when he's when he's covered. Um, and Sanders is the most accurate QB at Oklahoma State. And he asks a lot of Wallace um and he catches more than what other receivers would just with the way he's uh, how good his hands are and we get into position to catch him um but he's got uh, it's a pretty loaded wide receiver class this year with chase waddle smith bateman uh alave um there's a few more in there as well so round one might be a bit rich for Wallace, but day two selection definitely um but again The the Cowboys were by far the better team. They outgained Texas by 530 yards to 287. And the defence fought nine punts. So they they completely dominated. Um, And Wallace himself had more receiving yards than the entire Longhorns team. But but the uh, Oklahoma State turned the ball five times over. um, The Longhorns zero. So four fumbles and a poor interception from Sanders basically gifted the win to Texas. Uh, And in the first half, two of those fumbles and the interception meant that Texas were starting drives in the Cowboys' red zone three times. And on the back of that, they scored a touchdown and two field goals. In the second half, another fumble, uh, about the halfway line. The Cowboys forced them to punt. Then they get called for roughing the kicker on the punt. Fresh set of downs. Texas go and score a touchdown. So more points off off turnovers. Adding a 100-yard kick return as well after poor coverage let Deshaun Jamieson go full length of the field practically untouched aside for one arm tackle then um, coach Mike Gundy was probably pulling his hair out watching his team luckily they were uh, actively trying to lose the game you'd have thought because um, now with that loss where they've dominated just turned the ball over too many times um, the Big 12 chances are gone I think of, of having a team in the, in the playoffs
0: Tyler Wallace is an interesting one. He's got—he's not overly tall, but he's quite a sudden route runner. He's got the reasonable radius of yeah. catch radius and makes big catches. We said the same thing earlier with the the Rams Miami game. If you're giving away the ball, I think the the Rams uh, turnovers was four to Miami's two. It's just going to kill you. Uh, yeah, you said about his receiving yards. I think. Mississippi State, total bubble burst. Remember their first game against LSU? It comes a feel, feels like a long time ago. Devonta Smith did the same thing to them, had more receiving yards the entire uh, Mississippi State offence. Just, uh, <clears throat> just killing them. So, what about Cincinnati then? Do we think that a team realistically from the AAC can get up to number four?
3: No. Not really.
0: Uh, I mean, they they have
3: uh, quite a, a fun to watch defense that smothers. They're very physical, maybe a little bit too much at times. There was quite a few flags that could have been thrown in the game against Memphis. Um, but they've got some talent on D, and they will probably win a fair share of games. I don't think you'll see them contending for the four. Uh, the, the QB, um, Desmond Ridder. I haven't really seen much of him before the Memphis game and his stats were great but really it was just because how poor Memphis were uh, especially their secondary it was horrible I mean they looked like they were supposed to be in some kind of zone D but I don't know what zone they were meant to be in because they just looked all over the place Uh, I mean Ridder finished with 21 for 26 for over 270 and he had five total TDs so he had a good day but yeah I mean, they're a a good side but they're not going to Um, certainly in
0: the top four They're secondary strong they've allowed two passing touchdowns all season eight interceptions and a 54% completion rate when targeting the secondary and what I saw as well of of the game he some people have been really sort of bigging him up over the last few days because he obviously had a standout game from a stats perspective he he ran one in as well he seemed quite aware in the pocket but a lot of the time the ball never really came out clean it really kind of wobbled around and like you say with the, the Memphis D was given so much space up in, in the zone and there just seemed to be gaps in, in all of it so you never really were sure where they were meant to be or what they were doing and considering that was the uh, championship game last year I think wasn't it between those two so surprising how quickly they've they've kind of the separation between the two teams so Clemson just managed to hold on at the weekend with a bit of a comeback Um, it's probably worth mentioning Travis Etienne broke the ACC rushing yards all time record 4,644 rushing yards at 7.5 yards per carry with 65 TDs add on to that 83 receptions at just over a 1,000 yards at 12.1 yards per reception not bad, he's got to be RB1 hasn't he?
3: Yeah, <laughs> I, I would agree. I mean, he it, it, it seems to have everything, he's, he's a very big back. Um, but he surprises you with his agility and his speed for how big he is. I mean, he just barrels through defenders, and if he gets to the uh, to the second level, he can forget about it. I mean, yeah, he's, he's quality. He, he, teams who are looking uh, to trade high up for a running back, they'll be he'll be first on their list easily.
2: Too fair, because he sort of won the game, didn't he, uh, the weekend? They, like they was going to get the first loss, and who knows what happened then, but he ran all over him and got the game-winning touchdown as well, didn't he?
0: Yeah. He... I mean, really, it was the D that let them down, because I'm not even going to try and attempt the name. The, the, the you, you, DJ Eugulele. Is that any good? <laughs> Never done. He came in... At, played pretty well, looked uh, a bit nervy to start with, but they certainly weren't tight in the game because of anything that he did. I don't know whether they simplified things for him. So become more predictable. Um, but if you're starting a different QB and there's not too much film on you, you kind of have an an advantage anyway, from a defensive standpoint, because you can't really prepare because you don't know what they, what the team are going to be throwing at you, but their defense looked a bit sleepy, really. Um, they didn't really get a lot of pressure early on and, and and looked in trouble. And if you come on to this week's fixtures, of which there is some stonking games this week, the big one, obviously, with, with Notre Dame against them, they couldn't have been happier, really. Not that they'd wish ill upon, as in physical ill, upon anyone. But this really has fallen quite well for them. Do, do we think they stand a chance?
2: Well, this is the game. To, if they're, they're going to play Clemson... Trevor Lawrence is out with COVID still. So, if they get... This could be the hardest game they're going to face. And if, if they win this, which I think they could, yeah, going on to the results of the weekend, then they could be looking at the fourth spot.
1: Yeah, no, they do have a chance, obviously, much better chance now now Trevor Lawrence is out. It's, the key for them is, is tr- they'll have to get in front early. I can't imagine them throwing a lead like... um Like Clemson clawed back at the weekend because that's how Notre Dame play if they get in front uh, dominate the time of possession they'll just be able to run the ball um, against Clemson if Clemson take an early lead and go one or two scores up I'm not entirely sure Notre Dame are are built to come back from games like that so Notre Dame have to get off to a quick start control the time of possession control the line of scrimmage and then then they've got a chance yeah Yeah,
3: sorry it's a different kind of offence as well um, Notre Dame to, to BC um, if Notre Dame go down early I can't see him clawing it back uh, I mean whereas, whereas Boston started off quite sprightly I mean Ian Buck's not going to do the same as what BC did so I mean al- although Notre Dame are a better side they will need to lead early I think I think what Pete's saying is, is absolutely on.
0: They're going to have to oh, establish yeah. that run game aren't they I think get it really and lead on the O-line and just try and run all over them and I don't know. That's any secret, really. clemson are going to be preparing for that, and um, well, th- I think that's the key to stopping it, really. Michigan at Indiana—this is massive for Harbaugh. He's now three and eight against Ohio and Michigan State. Teddy's grinning. This is this is just disaster. They—they they don't seem to be getting any better. They don't seem to find consistency. Are they the team that? Demolished Minnesota, or is it because Minnesota are just bad, or are they the team that just turned up totally unprepared against Michigan State?
3: Minnesota are bad in in one sentence, really. I mean, Michigan have struggled, and it's primarily down to their quarterback Joe Milton, I as mean, he hasn't had a very good start to the season at all. Um And this is a this is an interesting one. I, I don't think Indiana are a, a true seeded team. I think they've been flattered by their results as well I mean, and they're certainly not going to be uh, contending they've got a tough schedule they've still got Wisconsin and Ohio State to play um, so I mean what are, they, are they 13 I think aren't they I are think, they that high? high I didn't know that. I think so I think they're in their teens anyway um, I mean they've got a you know, good secondary especially Jalen Williams I mean he's established uh, uh, the young lad who got two and a half sacks who I've never even heard of uh, what's his name Tier 1 Mullen I had to write that down. He had two and a half sacks on uh, on Saturday, and I've never heard of him. But yeah, from the highlights, you know, it, it was impressive. Um, but apart from that, I mean, they just seem to struggle with the. We talked about this earlier that they struggle with their recruitment. I mean, you look at a, a team like Michigan, you would expect them to bring in a lot of uh, interest, but I mean, they don't seem to get the players that other big franchises uh, colleges do so yeah it's it's a strange one is that I I don't get it
0: I think they people went totally overboard in the first week of Joe Milton's first game we I did it I watched it did a sort of small review on here where essentially I said he looked as if he had potential but he wasn't asked to do a lot and everything he did was kind of in front of him and he took what was there and then when you kind of read in some reports it was about how fantastic he looked it's like well I mean he, Mm. he did fine it was or you expected from him, but he—he he certainly wasn't someone I'd look at and just think, "Oh, hey, we've found found the the solution to all our problems." It, you know, he's he'll grow, and he's got next season as well. Um, as he's only a sophomore, but I don't know. People just seem to get really buy into him being the answer, and I, I just I just think they are where they are. Mediocrity. Yeah. yeah what he's
1: he's so. Sorry,
3: if no, I was just going to say, he, he certainly didn't look the part against Michigan State. Um, yeah, I, I, I wouldn't have any confidence after watching that performance.
1: Yeah, I was going to say that you saw what Maryland did at Minnesota the week after. And that's just who Minnesota are, I think you mentioned it last week, Kev, about, uh, about Minnesota's defence and, and the, the linebackers and the secondary struggling. Uh, Maryland exposed that as well. And all that old Michigan did uh, at the same time, take what was offered by, by a terrible defence. The
0: terrible Terrapins. Another <laughs> massive game, SEC, Florida and Georgia. Uh, Liam, kit number one, blue and orange, which just doesn't go together. Looks like a 70s TV set that had gone wrong. Florida-Georgia, the loser is a 2 lost team. This is the season. This Massive
2: is it. Massive game, isn't it? Well, like I say, uh, Florida's, Ola, uh, Florida's offense against Georgia's strong defense. And the winner of this one, I think, is second in, the, can get second in the SEC. Playoff hopes, potentially. The other one's finished. So, big, one of the biggest games I'm looking forward to this weekend, Parfait BT sport. If you want to watch it. <laughs> and yeah, free avatar. <laughs>
0: will Will Florida be in their blue and orange uniforms? This what, the number one
2: uniform in college. I think there
0: might be. Yeah. Will they? Will they? I'm going to go controversial and say the actual flip side of that is is I think where it will happen because Florida have got the the weapons. Pete spoke the other week about Kyle Pitts yeah. um and Kadarius Tony who had a screen pass at the weekend and has somehow escaped, if you've not seen that, it's worth, worth finding um, the, the highlight tape of that. But I think it's the other way around. Florida's defence is not good and Georgia's offence is hugely reliant on the run game and Stetson Bennett just kind of keeps things ticking over, but is certainly not going to win you the game. Yeah. So if Georgia have a chance to win it on the final possession, that Really is going to be interesting, and they're up against the clock. So, if it does come that close, then I'd go Florida. But I think we need some predictions from this, don't we? So, Clemson, Notre Dame, what are we picking for there? Um,
2: we'll do a write up
0: well, well. as per usual with some of these well, games. He die, isn't he? Yeah, I've not got the uh, the mascot head, <laughs> headpiece
1: um, <laughs> I'll, I'll go Clemson for that one I'll go Clemson I, Notre Dame have to have everything go right at the start of the game uh, I, don't, I think Clemson don't necessarily have to so I think um, I'll go Clemson
0: I'm with you I can't see it I think it'll be close to half time and yeah. I think yeah. anyone I think go I, Notre
2: Dame I'll say Notre Dame Headlights
3: no. are upset. No? no, not this
0: time. No, not
2: this time.
3: I, I, I don't think Clemson's D can play as bad as what he did last week, and that will be the difference. Yeah.
0: Michigan, Indiana. Oh. I'm going. I'm going Indiana.
1: I, I think Michigan flatly against a terrible Minnesota team, who was shown who the, who they are uh, against the Terrapins. Uh, I think Indiana have, have got some some good wins. The big Penn State. Um, I'll go Indiana. Yeah, me
3: too. I think the, the Penn State game flatters Indiana, but I still see them beating Michigan.
0: Oh, I'm going to go Michigan. I'm going to say they come back from this. Um, I, I, I'm, I'm, never, I'm not good with predicting scores, as we know by my trebles at the weekends. Mm. <laughs> uh, Florida, Georgia.
1: The first. Uh, I'm go- I'm going Florida. I think George have got quite a few defensive starters out. I think we've got five defensive starters out that start against Kentucky. They've got two of the top defensive tackles out. Jordan Davis is out. The big um, nose
0: tackle is a loss, big time. Yeah, he, he's
1: he's he's a great. Against Florida, it might not necessarily be an issue because they don't necessarily run it down the gut anyway, so it might not have that much of an impact. But I think the count, the safety, is out. I've got a another another defensive tackle rochester out as well so losing five defensive starters who probably aren't going to be available I want to go Florida.
0: rice as well i think is doubtful for the game which is with their screen game yeah you'd want him in really i'm going to go georgia i know the defense is out they have allowed 27 second half points all season of which 21 of those have come against alabama
2: yeah the figures is, in my, my prediction was Georgia to be the fourth uh, playoff team. So if I was to go the opposite no. way, now, that's admitting really that I was well off. But I well, think...
0: I've already owned up. I predicted Florida, I think. So I'm kind of... Yeah,
2: yeah. Um, I, I think Florida will with.
3: Yeah, I'm I'd, I'd taking Florida as well. I, I don't see uh, Bennett hanging on with Trask. I think I think it'll be Florida.
0: And yeah. what about uh, South Alabama at Coastal Carolina, who will oh, now hell. go to 7-0 and after this weekend? First time ranked in the FBS uh, since they joined in 2017, and QB1 Grayson McCall having a season. Come on, the Chanticleers. <laughs> they have <laughs> got to be up there, aren't they? Don't yeah,
1: know. I'll... I'll, 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 I'll I'll will back them to in this weekend, but I just don't like the
0: pitch, <laughs> so that needs to go. Another big this weekend, all for the, well, really for for QB watch, really BYU Boise State. So I'm a big fan of Zach Wilson. I like what I've seen. They're playing poor teams, and everything's really easy for him. This is first real test. He needs to show up and he needs to win well for the hype to be justified. I'm going to go for BOAU win on that one. I think they'll dispatch them quite comfortably.
2: Yeah, you is one of the first. One of us to have uh, Wilson on your radar, mate, and he's currently posted a 78% completion. He's got 1,900 pressing yards and a 16-to-1 touchdown interception. And he's also scored six of his legs, so it's, he's uh, definitely one of the QBs to watch looking like a first-round player. And I think BYU will be the team to win.
0: We also have, finally, it feels like a full schedule. Pac-12 returns this weekend. It almost feels forgotten. We've kind of got this seven-game season, which could also be quite heavily impacted by COVID because there is no room or space for any cancelled games. So, well... I was going to ask you for predictions, but I've had a little look at Oregon. Oregon have to be favourites for for this. Start of this weekend against Stanford. They've lost a lot of players through opt-outs. They lost Panay Sewell at left tackle, who I think is essentially considered a top five pick certainty. Javon Holland, the safety, opted out. The senior safety, Brady Breeze, um, who was the
2: American name of us.
0: Brady Breeze, a good one. He was the Rose Bowl MVP when they beat Wisconsin. They lost corner Thomas Graham Jr. They do get D'Amador Lenoir back, who originally opted out. And they have an interesting prospect opposite him called Michael Wright, who's the opposite starter, who uh, he'll be starting for the first time. He's also good on kick return duties. Last season averaged uh, 38 yards per kick return. Not bad. And two TDs. I'll be interested to see what I can get out of their sophomore defensive end, Kayvon Thibodeau, who has already been put up as a blue chip prospect for uh, the following draft. He was PFF's highest graded pass rusher in the Pac-12. They obviously have a good history of those players, but players like uh, Eric Armistead, Forrest Buckner. From a defensive standpoint, only Troy Dye is missing as their kind of main playmakers um, in, in the linebacker core. He obviously led them for tackles in the last four seasons. They've got a new OC in Joe Moorhead, who's comes in from Mississippi State. Uh new QB, obviously, because Herbert is doing exceptionally well in the NFL as predicted by Kev and not predicted by Pete Barlow, who's Morning. also on who was also a co-host here. <laughs> Tyler Shaw, I I'm making a attempt at his name. He's obviously got big shoes to fill um as Herbert, he was Herbert's backup but they did get a transfer in from Boston College to provide competition you have to assume they're going to lean on the running game Moorhead was at Mississippi State they were been top three in rushing in the last two seasons so they're going to be leaning quite heavily on return and CJ Vidal who was Pac-12's leading rusher last season and he returns with Travis Dye who is obviously Troy's brother and they've also got two other brothers on the defensive side of the ball. Austin and Andrew. These names. Uh, Leo. Too many names. Uh, one at the end, one at uh, Sam Linebacker. Mm-hmm. At receiver, they have uh, Johnny Johnson who, alongside the other receiver, Micah Pittman. And they had a transfer from USC and big body receiver, Devon Williams. The big area of concern is the O-line, which has changed completely in all five positions. However... I'm still going to predict that Oregon win it all for the North and win the whole thing, and I'm going USC for the South because I just can't see a lot of competition. Both Washington teams have got new coaches, along with Colorado. USC kickoff against Arizona State. What are we thinking?
1: Yeah, yeah, it's just uh, a good write of Oregon there, but I think even Oregon's sort of backup offensive lineman, their sixth offensive lineman, he's he's left as well. Um, so they are, they are down to the, almost not the bare bones. Of, I think they've um, recruited with that in mind, knowing that they were going to be losing the offensive line. So they've, they've got some good uh, recruits coming in. Stephen Jones and right Tackle, who's a highly rated four-star prospect. And they've got the top-rated Duco guard last year, TJ Bass, coming in as well to play right guard. So they've got some potential coming in. But I think you say, with Joe Moore coming in, I think his system's relatively easy to learn. I think he was at, like, he was at Miss State last year, two years as head coach. Before that, he was at Penn State and had a high-flying offence there as well. He did have Saquon Barkley and Trace McSorley, to be fair. So he, he had he had some some good players. But um, he has turned offences around in, a, in a, a short space of time and get, get them playing well. Not that the offence needs to be turned around, but just with that volume of turnover that they've got. So should be favourites in the in the north. Um so they're gonna they're gonna lead on, on the running back for Del quite a lot. But I like think you said, the only competition is USC because they're returning the QB, the head coach, they've got Amon Rasey and Brown at receiver. They're bringing back the top two leading rushers from last year as well in Stephen Khan. I've wrote this one down phonetically so I don't get it wrong. Vavai Malapai Malapi as well. So nice. Deb there yeah that that's well done. Yeah, after after absolutely butchering a few names in the last few weeks, I thought I'd better be safe. Um, but they're, so they're returning an awful lot of, of players come back, and it's whether that defence, which was their Achilles heel last year, but they've got a new defensive coordinator, and it's it's how soon he can turn that, that unit round. Um, like I said, I would have liked to see defensive tackle J2 for their return, but he's opted out, unfortunately. Um, but it, they're the only two teams I can see competing for uh, for the championship there and they both have to go unbeaten and, and win the games heavily to, to have a chance at the uh the playoff the national playoff so um i think there's just too fewer games uh for them to be uh, to have any sort of slip ups or poor performances so who do you think out of oregon usc uh, uh i'll I'll go usc um i think they are returning uh a lot of skill players uh, I've got to keep the head coach the same, and we've got a new defensive coordinator. So I'll i I'll, I'll back it's, him to turn around. Stevan Slovis is the best QB of the conference. So yeah, well, Oregon haven't named their starting QB yet. No, Either yeah. they don't know whether it's Tyler Shaw or, or Anthony Brown. So that that being up in the air, um, I'll go for the sort of the settled squad and right, settled even well. USC, USC got yeah. three receivers
2: like Samon, Saint Brown, and uh, but. Uh, the defence just needs to improve. They cost them a lot of wins last year. So, if that improves, like I we say, we'll do decent. Who's yeah.
0: your prediction, Ted? Uh, uh, I, I'll go
2: Oregon, but
3: I haven't got much faith in it. I think you could toss a coin between the two.
0: For those of you who are
2: listening, uh, Ted has got his Oregon Ducks top on. I so
0: have. Uh-huh. You know, <laughs> <Sko> yeah. <laughs> do Ducks. <it>. I'm all <laughs> well, in for right. them. All depends on that. O line, I think, and what they can get out of the uh, QB play needs consistent play. Pretty much what we were saying um, with the Michigan fella, you just don't make mistakes. Put give uh, give the give the ball to the players who are capable of winning new games, and don't try and be uh, don't play hero ball. So, we've all been tasked with a player to look at, and what we want to see from that player this season. Pete, you're first on my list. Abe Lucas. Yeah,
1: he's a six foot seven right tackle uh, from Washington State. He's a redshirt junior, and I expect him to come out at the end of the year um, because I really want to see this year some more tape of his run blocking. Uh, last few seasons, he's been playing Mike Leach's pass-heavy air raid offense. Uh, he's had to pass block a lot, and teams NFL teams do seem to place a premium on that. Um, and that. that area uh, in offence. They, they led, led the league in pass attempts in 2019, but had the fewest number of rushing attempts by a considerable margin with only 210. So I'm hoping to see some more, more run blocking from him. But the, the new head coach, uh, Nick Rolovich from Hawaii, his team had the second most passing attempts. So I'm guessing he's going to be pass, uh, pass blocking an awful lot more. But I'm hoping that to see some, uh, some more run blocking. Um, so I want to see some Combo blocks and getting to the second level. Um, Because on the rare occasions he was asked to find a target at the second level, uh, under Mike Leach, he he does a really good job to face it. He's six foot seven. He's quite lumbering, six foot seven. Well, he's got a bit of weight about him as well. But he has showed some real potential. Uh, He's excellent at ensuring pass rushers don't beat him to the outside edge when he does have a deeper pass set. One downfall is he does seem heavy footed when dealing with inside counters and. Uh, the Washington game in 2019, um, he, he gave up a few pressures and a, and a sack to uh, to Ryan Bowman sort of the defensive end there. Um, so that's something that he'll have to show development with is sort of the uh, the the lightness on his feet to, to counter inside moves. But he, with this new scheme, the... the to talk about having narrower splits between the linemen, so it might not be that much of an issue. You might have some help inside if if that uh, if that does transpire. But it's it's a quite a deep class for offensive tackles, so any weakness uh, will we'll drop him down draft boards. But improvement in that area. He's he's, 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 he's six foot seven. Then he's, uh, he's he's exactly what teams are going to be looking for with with his length and with his height. Um, he's, he's got a chance to 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 make a name for himself this year.
0: Cool. Not really an area we sort of look too much of, of offensive tackles in that area. I know, who is it? Shane Mew went from Oregon. He was, he's a, the guard, wasn't he? Sort of lack of athleticism. Is this guy similar? Is he going to be? Yeah, well, it's, it's, quite, it's quite strange because
1: he, he is quite heavy. And he's quite six foot seven. And, but his deeper pass sets. he looks really agile and really nimble. But as soon as anybody tries to counter inside, his feet are planted. He doesn't move at all. And you think well, that's at odds with his pass set. And then also, say when he does get to the second level, he breaks down quite well and, and he hits his target with his, with his quite relatively quick feet for his size. But mm. so it's just that one area where he does seem to, to, to be lacking. Um, so that, that's what I'm trying to get my head wrong when watching him. Is it a technique or is it a, an agility issue? Uh, the agility issue is possibly harder to, uh, harder to correct if someone isn't that, that athletic. So that, that's what I want to try and see a bit more of.
0: Yep, Liam, we mentioned him earlier. Amon Ras St. Brown from USC. Amon Ras and Brown.
2: He's a six foot uh, receiver at USC. Um, Last year, he had 77 receptions and 1,042 yards in his sophomore year. He was a player, uh, tipped to be a day two pick, I think, uh, maybe a round three sort of player. if he was swapped out. Last year, he was. Play played second fiddle to Michael Pittman Jr., who was a high draft pick last year. He went second pick of the second round, if I remember correctly. So, yeah, he's out to prove how good he's now as the uh, number one receiver there. Another thing, he's, he's one of my fantasy darlings, actually, my dynasty darlings. i gonna be looking out for him, really. So that's why I'll be watching him. I'll hope, hopefully see if he can make this to step up. Uh, but a lot of his... Play seems to call, he wins on the deep ball. He's got a speed to beat the uh, DBs, and he wins the deep ball. And also, he's a uh, yards after catch is phenomenal. He, you get put the ball in his hands, and he jiggle jukes out of the way. He takes it a lot more, a lot more further than he uh, ought to really. So yeah, he'll be one I'll be looking out for. The problem
0: the games are on too late for us, isn't there really they packed twelve? <laughs> <laughs> that is a problem. Yeah. Well yeah. the um the, the the USC one is on at nine AM local time. So that's more sociable for us. The fact that he can catch it means he's already better than his brother, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Ted, you've gone big burly linebacker.
3: Yeah, well maybe not so big, but he, he loves to tackle. So I I've uh... Chosen to look at Nate Landman from uh, Colorado. Um, last season, he had 137 tackles, um, and he's, he's just your typical tackling machine. But what he does have, he, he does have a really good vision, um, and uh, w- which he does kind of need because he's not the most, the best physical specimen. But I mean, he's very intelligent. He, you know, he QBs the defense, um, and he's definitely their star player. Um, on the defensive side of the ball. Uh, I mean, he kind of—I'm I'm not comparing him to these guys, but he reminds me a little bit of uh, of Bobby Wagner and Eric Kendricks, the way he plays. I'm not saying he's going to be as good as them. Wow. But he, he, he does. Yeah, 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 no, no, no. Yeah, and, and you can't there, edit there, so, so there, it. So there, sounds like
1: I'm. <laughs> there's the teaser trailer right there. Thanks, Ted. thanks very much. I'm, I'm editing that right now. <laughs> um,
3: I, I mean. Especially in in this uh, this uh, the, the coming draft class, I mean, linebacker isn't particularly strong. I mean, he he could be quite relevant, you know, for when we're doing our um, our mock drafts later on in the year. Uh, I mean, maybe not as exciting as like uh, a Dylan Moses from Bama, or uh, or uh, Micah Parsons, who obviously opted out from Penn State. But yeah, I, I could see him going. You know, if he has a good season, maybe day two, maybe maybe day three. Yeah, no, he's he's a he's a he's a linebacker that you uh, you want to cheer on because he seems to leave absolutely everything on the on the pitch. Um, and I'll try and watch it this week uh, because uh, well, I mean, it's the late game. Unfortunately, Buckeyes are on late as well, so I'll probably have to watch the uh, extended highlights on YouTube or something. But I think there's a little shock there between uh, uh, Colorado and UCLA, just just mainly because uh, the, the Buffaloes have quite a. Uh, Quite uh, exciting offense. Um, and um, yeah, they have a new coach. So, you know, they're, they're a bit of an unknown quantity. And it's always fun watching Chip Kelly play. So that's one I'm definitely going to try and catch, uh, catch up on. But I'll still be watching the Buckeyes live.
0: Well, I have well, gone for a physical specimen at linebacker. Another name. Are you ready for this? USC linebacker, Paula Iye Naotayote. Oh, yes, I've been practicing do
2: that. Do it on now, <laughs> Kev?
0: I've been practicing that one. Situation. I'm not getting that one wrong. <laughs> so, he was a 2018 five star prospect from Las Vegas, number one outside linebacker in Nevada. Massive physical dude, 250 pounds, six foot two, lots of agility, chasing into the, into the flats, pursues the ball. I'd say his play diagnosis and awareness and not his strength. Um, his coverage is not great. He's allowed ninety-three percent of his targets to be completed and has had zero pass breakups in his entire college career thus far. He does post impressive tackling stats. You almost feel when you're watching him that he wants to let people catch a ball so he can make a highlight hit. If you look at kind of USC compilation videos from fans on on YouTube, you'll you'll see lots of him smashing into people with clattering of pads with the crowd loving it, but you'd rather see him actually stop the play from actually taking place. But from when he, when they're catching in the underneath zones, he's seen his leader of the D and the usual training camp chatter is he is impressing. Um, But I think it's actually a big season for him because consistency is the key for him and his plays. On returning linebackers in the Pac-12, PFF has him as seventh best against the run. Now, someone with his size and stature, his natural ability, he should be pushing top three, if not the best. He's got everything you could want from, from the build standpoint, but he's not going to be a three-down backer in, in the next level if he can't cover. I do think he's going to be kind of them early day P... Excuse me, a day three pick because I think he'd be an absolute beast on special teams and will probably enjoy it looking at some of his videos just clattering into people. They have got um, new DC coming in this season, Todd Orlando. Uh, He's a former linebacker's coach, and there has been kind of rumours of his inconsistency being around um, bad coaching. So you'd hope that Orlando would get hold of him, put him where he's best to shoot gaps, and, and meet the RB shedding blocks. I'd like to see him blitz more, but I think it's a big season for him. At the moment, that linebacker um, in, in next year Parsons is tops for me of what I've seen so far. I've not got the next um, next group in any sort of order, but Dylan Moses, uh, Owosa Kumura, Nick Bolt, and Chaz Surratt. I don't put him anywhere up there. Something around Jabril Cox, Cameron McGrone, i'm still at the moment probably more likely to put them above him but then that's only recently biased because they've actually had some gains under his belt so big season for him and as we've mentioned big season for uh for usc as well so finally an update on our uniform bracket we started last week we all picked our 10 best The teams with the most votes were put in and then a few random others. We gave Pete his rancid zebra costume. You see, Uh, that's People have spoken. (laughs) Well, so far, we we allowed it through. I just want to see how far this goes. So Florida State beat Mississippi State. I thought that was quite a tough early round matchup. Both good uniforms. Oregon beat Penn State. Again, quite a tough early matchup. LSU weird, white, purple thing beat Ole Miss, which was a surprise for me. We let the Memphis uh, Zebras go through against the Pirates, because I want to see how far this goes. Tennessee rightfully beat Vanderbilt, like they do every time. Michigan, (laughs) Notre Dame was a surprise, but I guess Michigan, a reasonably well-supported team. San Diego State got rid of that hideous orange and blue that Liam holds so dear. You've got to love the little kind of runes and things on the helmet, haven't you, for the San Diego State? And that burnt orange got through. They, It got through. It beat Cal. So we have Florida State versus Oregon, LSU against Memphis alternate thing, Tennessee, Michigan, San Diego State, Texas. We will put them out in the next few days, get voting, get interacting with us. At UK Draft Punk, we are also on Facebook. We're looking forward to the weekend's games. Next week, I think we're going to answer the age-old question on running backs. So please join us next time. We are on the clock.